We're going to talk today about the Son of Man. The title, the Son of Man. I was thinking about this as we are studying the names or the titles of Jesus Christ. And there's seven of them in the first chapter of the, the book of John, the Gospel of John. Why do we continue doing this? And, and you've heard me saying this over the last couple of weeks, that we want to preach Christ and Him alone. Let the world preach what they want to preach. Because what, what the world is preaching is fear. And it's control and manipulation. But we preach Christ and Him crucified. I can stand up here and tell you a lot of fables, but you don't want to hear that. You want to hear the Word of God. Amen? And over the last few weeks, we've looked at the Word, the Light, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel. And this morning, we want to see and discuss the Son of Man. And we're going to read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 43. He says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now Philip is a very good Greek name, isn't he? The name Philip. Uh, and they were from Bethsaida, that great city. That city of affluence. And it was the same city of Andrew and Peter. Now it says there that Philip then found Nathanael. And he said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody from the city of Bethsaida. When they hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. He generally just asked the following question. He says, the son of Joseph, in verse 46, and Nathanael said to him, can any good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that place? Nazareth at that point in time wasn't as affluent as Bethsaida, this great city. It's a small, you can call it a dwelling, a small town. Can anything good come from that? And that is how people are often, aren't they? You look at suburbs and so on and you say, can anything good come out of a suburb or a place? And, but the thing is, God doesn't work the way that we think He works. So we oftentimes can look at a place and go, nothing good can come from that. In fact, people might look at your family and say, nothing good can come out of a family. But I want to say what God says is He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the inward appearance. He looks at the heart. Now Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. Come for yourself and experience Christ. And that is the best that can happen. I hope this morning as you sit here in this place, that you just didn't hear about Jesus, you just didn't read about Jesus, but that you've experienced Him. You see, that makes the difference. When I grew up, I've heard about Him all my life. But it is until I've experienced Him and I've learned about Him and He saved my soul that my life changed. He says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward Him and said to him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. 
Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ knows you. He says to this man, I know you and within you there is no deceit. How did, how did Jesus know that? It's the first time that he met this man. It's the first time that he laid eyes on him physically. Yet he says, within you there is no deceit. And then he says, how do you know me? Isn't that a question that we often ask? Let me tell you that God knows you better than you know yourself. Better than you know yourself. And sometimes you go through a difficult situation and you cry out to God and you say, Lord, why this test? It's not for God to see how you're going to react. It is for you to see how you're going to react. That oftentimes you go through difficult things. But He knows you. He mentions there that uh, He saw Him under the fig tree. Now, fig trees to the Jews played a big part. If you had a vineyard, you planted a fig tree. Because in those places, it was in the hot of day, the place where they used to go and sit under the fig tree. It was cool under a fig tree. It is also the place of meditation and worship where they called upon God under the fig tree. And it is at this place where oftentimes that they would have studied and looked at their prophecies. And one never knows, that conversation is not there, that Nathaniel had with somebody, or his prayers. One, we don't know what he said there. When Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree, he said to him that you are the Son of God, and you are the King of Israel. That makes me think that when he was sitting under the fig tree that morning, that day, that he had these things on his mind. And just imagine, now he walks up to Jesus and Jesus says to him, there's no deceit in you. Now let's continue. He says in uh, John chapter 1 verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe me? You see, some people want signs and wonders. But he doesn't work that way. And then he says, you will see greater things than these. Then what? You've got to ask the question. And then he says in verse 51, and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Son of Man. And that's the first time we see that title that Jesus... This is Jesus talking that He's calling on that name, the Son of Man. But let's think about this. He says to him, you will see greater things than these. Than what? You remember right after this, and we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks' time, when the wine, the miracle of the wine at, at the wedding feast, is that the greater things? I don't think so. You see, that's a great miracle. But I think when he said to him, you will see greater things than these, he was pointing towards Jesus Christ who will come in blood and water. When he refers to John chapter 3 and he spoke to Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. This is now what he's pointing towards. The greater things will be 
seeing Jesus Christ dying on a cross and then be resurrected from the dead. Do you think that's greater? And then ascending up into heaven. He says, it's not just because I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. It's not because I know what you were thinking, Nathaniel. Greater things than these you will see. And then he mentions that one. One of them, he says, you will see heaven open. I wonder what would have gone through Nathaniel's head when he heard those words. What is going through your head? I mean, if Jesus would stand here physically in front of you and He walks up to you and He says, I know you, there's no deceit in you, and you know that He touched you, and then He says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Remember He was talking to Jewish boys who studied the Scriptures. And I will come to that point in a minute. But let's just focus on the name that Jesus is using here. The name Son of Man. And it's interesting fact that that name is used 83 times in the New Testament. That title. And it's 50 or 13 times in the book of John. Now this speaks, what does the Son of Man mean? This speaks of His deity and His humanity. He became a man and lived amongst us, the Son of Man. In fact, this title of Jesus is the title, in, in, in the whole uh, Gospels, the two most used titles for Jesus is Yahweh and it's Christ, Lord and Christ, the most. But the one that He uses the most for Himself is this title, Son of Man. Jesus calls Himself more times Son of Man than those other two titles. And this is the link between heaven and earth. He said it there. He said it in verse 51. He said, you will see heaven open and the angels of God come up and go down and they will come upon the Son of Man. In John chapter 14 verse 6, He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. There is a, there is a teaching going out, and I, I want to say for the young people, you need to listen to this. The world is trying to tell you that there are many ways to Him. They, they say all roads lead to Rome, don't they? In this case, all roads do not lead to God. All roads do not lead to the Father. You will have people coming and saying that Allah and Elohim, Allah, the God of the Muslims, is the same God as the God of the Christian. And I want to say this morning, He's not. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. He is not the same. They say, oh, you know what, if you've got a good Buddhist, who's a really good, good man, he will also find his way to heaven. And the Bible says, no. There's only one link between heaven and earth. One. And his name is Jesus Christ. And this is why he chooses the title Son of Man. I'm going to show that to you. That's the link between heaven and earth. You say, why do we look through all of these titles? Because each one of these titles makes you know more about Jesus Christ. And as he says, said in the book of Ephesians, that you do not get tossed to and fro by different winds of doctrine. 
And believe you me, there are so many different wings of doctrine. And if you are not careful and study the Word of God, you can be caught up in one of them. It is so subtle. This is why we need to know who we are worshipping, who we are praising, who we are bowing down to. It is not grace plus. It is Jesus Christ alone. Listen, let me tell you, there are some who say this morning through your works you can get there. Your works is not a link between heaven and earth. There's only one link, and it's Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and did you know that there's three volumes of truth the Bible talks about? The Word, the Son, and the Spirit. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In fact, we found this happened before in Genesis chapter 28. You remember when Jacob was running away and he came to this place called Bethel, or in fact, he named the place Bethel. And guess what? We are sitting in a hall which is called Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Uh, and it says there in chapter 28, Genesis 28 verse 12, Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up from the earth and its top reached the heaven. And there, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abram, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Isn't it wonderful how the Bible works? This happened in Genesis. Years and years before Jesus met a man called Nathaniel. And here he says the same thing that Jacob saw in the Old Testament. But there's a difference here. Now he says, where is Jesus in this one? Or where is the Lord in this one? He is standing above the ladder. You see that? And where is he here? He says, from here on, Nathaniel, you will see heaven open and you will see angels coming and going. And what will happen? They will. You will see angels of God ascending, descending upon the Son of Man. That is the connection between heaven and earth. Here which is a picture into the future. Here we see him standing at the top, and here we see him. That's the connection. You want eternal life, you come to Christ. He calls himself Son of Man. Now let's look at a few places where he says that. Matthew chapter 8 verse 20. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You remember when this happened? When he said, follow me, and they, 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 that conversation took place, he uses the title Son of Man. And think for yourself, here is God with us, and he's got no place to lay his head. Yet the gospel today is preaching, or the gospel of the world, is saying that you need to be rich when you're a minister of the word. Or otherwise you're not successful. Well, according to them, Jesus Christ will be then very unsuccessful. He calls himself Son of Man there. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 8, The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The one, the ladder, the link between heaven and earth is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Yet there is so many people these days who put so much emphasis on a day. I have found my Sabbath. His name is Jesus Christ. He's my rest. Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale of the belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, pointing towards the cross when he's going to die. You see, he chooses for himself this title more than any other. And all, all of the disciples heard that. This is Matthew. But look at Mark. Mark was also say, uh, writing this down, and he says in Mark thirteen twenty six, And then uh, shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Are you still waiting for Him to come in the clouds? It's a blue, beautiful day. There's no clouds in the air today. But He can come today. He doesn't need to wait for clouds to be there. He makes His own clouds. And when he comes, he will come. And let, let believe this. If he says, then they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Listen, you and I know that he ascended up again into heaven on the clouds. But he's coming back again. Why? Because he's the Son of Man. He chose that title to show to you and me that he is the link between heaven and earth. Luke writes about it the same as well. Listen to Luke. He says in Luke 99, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation coming to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Just picture this for yourself. We saw it in Genesis, that he's standing at the top of the ladder. Now he's on the earth. Why did he come down? Why did he leave glory to come to this earth? For one reason. He said right there, the Son of Man is come to seek first and to save that which is lost. Not only that, we know that John write about it as well. And he says, then Jesus in John 6.53, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Who believes that God is meticulous? I believe that. And He chooses this title. And again, I repeat myself, more than any title that He could have chose, He uses this title to declare Himself. We look at the book in Revelation, chapter 1, verse 13, and you remember at the first chapter when He describes Him, he says in verse 13, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like who? Like the King of Kings. Like the Son of God. No, no. One unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the waist with a golden girdle. One more in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from year on. You say the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked and behold a white cloud. You see, it is God loves clouds, doesn't He? A white cloud, again. And upon the cloud one sat. Who do you think that is? It's right there. A cloud, and upon it, it sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, 
and in his hand a sharp sickle. Do you love the Word of God? You know, I love preaching just repeating Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Let the Word of God do the work. Yes, it is so fantastic. I can go on and on about the Word of God. Look at this. The last time mankind saw Him, or a lot of the mankind saw Him, in a physical nature before He died, they put a crown of thorns upon His head. But yet now, in the book of Revelation, we see the Son of Man, and He's coming on a white cloud, and what is on His head? A golden crown. I love that. The Word of God is powerful than a two-edged sword. Let's look at John chapter 12, verse 28. He says, Father, glorify your name. Uh, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And then in verse 32, And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This is said signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Who is the Son of Man? You see, these people weren't not ignorant. They were not living in the 21st century. They knew exactly that when Jesus chose that title, what He said. He said to them, that if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to Myself. In other words, I am going to die. That's what Jesus said. Then the people say to him, but wait a minute, the Son of Man must be lifted up, question mark. Who is he? Because we thought that the Christ remains forever. You see, they were looking for a king who would take them in a battle against the Romans. They were looking for somebody who's going to live forever. Yet this Son of Man is going to die. So the question is, who is the Son of Man? What did they know that we didn't know? To ask that question. I have to take you again like I've done it last few weeks to the Old Testament. You see there's a prophecy in the book of Daniel. Let's go there. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. This is a fascinating prophecy. Who enjoyed last week's prophecy? You remember last week's prophecy about the 70 times 7, the weeks... Well, this one will bless you as well. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Remember, they said and they asked to him, Who is the Son of Man? Who is He? He was talking to Jewish boys. Remember Nathaniel? Remember Philip? Remember Peter? All of them were Jewish boys. And what the Jewish boys had to do? Up to the age of 12 years old, they needed to study and to read the Pentateuch. What's the Pentateuch? It's the first five books of your Bible. They had to study Moses. They had to study the prophets. 
And when they come to the age of 12 years old, that is the age for them when you become a man, then only the cream de la cream, the top, were chosen by the rabbis. And the rabbis would take these few and they will become disciples of the rabbis. But the rest, the rest had to go into the workforce. So from the years of 12 years old, most probably Peter and John and Philip, all of these boys went into the workforce. We know that Peter and John, they went into fishing and Andrew. So everybody had to go and work. But, it did not mean they had to stop studying the Scriptures or reading it. So whilst the creme de la creme or the top ones which was chosen by the rabbis went and became scribes and and elders and, and learned further on, while that happened, the rest in the workforce knew the Scriptures. And this is why when he speaks to Nathaniel about the Son of Man, What did they learn about the Son of Man? Well, they went to the Old Testament. And that's where I want to take you. Let's look now at Daniel chapter 7. Remember, Daniel is in in captivity when he gets this, uh, this prophecy. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. And his garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame. Or was, not like it was, a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. Can you see the picture? And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. We find here a court session. Some of you might have seen it on TV when the court comes in, the judge walks in, everybody stands, the judge sits down, they declare his name. And once he sits down, the court officer calls out and he says, The court be seated. Here we find a setup of a court that's going to take place. The Ancient of Days was seated. I want you to understand that once the Ancient of Days is seated, we find a picture of perfect peace. Perfect peace. I want you to understand that in a world of turmoil today, when in some places bombs are blowing up and some places people are were made redundant, people loses their jobs. I want you to understand while there's volatility in the world that this is the God that I serve, that while He's sitting on the throne, there is perfect peace. This is it. Absolute peace. Look at this. I love this. The word is so perfect. He says, His throne, He gives us a description of the throne was a fiery flame. Now, fire do a few things. One, it purifies. But it judges. Fire purifies. When it burns, the heat gets up. It's a sign of judgment. Its wheels were burning fire. 
I want you to understand, friends, not only do we have perfect peace here, but we have ultimate power is with God. Ultimate power is with God. It doesn't matter what happens here on earth. I don't care what happens in your life. Ultimate power lies with God. I don't care what happens with, with uh, politics or whoever votes for whoever. Ultimate power lies with God. The most powerful man on this earth is not the President of the United States. The most powerful power on this earth is God. Yes, I know that the enemy has been let loose, but even him reports back to God. Yes, you've heard it right. Even Satan needs to report back to God. You read the book of John, a Job, and you see that. This is two things that caught my attention here. It is peace and judgment. Two things when I see this in my mind's eye. When the judge sits us down, there is peace. And now we're going to see that His power comes forward in judgment. I've read up about this uh, painter or this uh, competition that went out that they said they want people to draw a painting of perfect peace. Maybe you've heard about this, but I think it fits perfectly in here. What is perfect peace? And they had this out and a lot of people painted paintings to portray perfect peace. So the judges sat down and they chose out of the many that came in, they chose two paintings for the final judgment. And they had them in front of the, the people who were going to judge them, two of them, one on this side, one on that side. And they were covered. So they walked over to the first one and they pulled off the veil, and there was a beautiful, beautiful painting of a nature scene of mountains. And the water was so still, so tranquil. There wasn't a wind. You could see in the painting what was picture perfect. Some of the ones that I show you on here, isn't it? It's beautiful. And they got the painter up there and he says, this is what I see, perfect peace. Everything is at rest. And the people applauded him and they thought, that is very good. That is a beautiful picture of peace. You see, there's not even a wind that's blowing. Nothing's happening. The water is, there's not even a ripple on the water. So they walked over to the second one and they pulled it off. And there was a, a gush that go through the people who looked upon it. Because on this painting, there was a, a violent waterfall. And you could see in the painting big streams of water just falling over the rocks. And there is dark clouds painted in the... At, at any moment, any moment, really, really hard rain can go... Or even a lightning bolt can come out of the clouds. And it, and it goes right down and, and just breaks into the bottom and, and it just all looks a little bit chaotic. And then right in the middle of the waterfall, sticking out of the rocks, a small little tree with an elbow in it. And right in the middle of the elbow, a nest. And in the nest sits a bird on two of her eggs. And they called the painter over and they said, surely this is not peace. I mean, look at this over here. You can see it's perfect peace. All is at rest. Explain to us why. 
And he said, this is perfect peace. It's not what's going on around you. Yes, there will be not always days like that. There will be days when the wind blows and the, and the storms are coming up against you. He says, but perfect peace is finding in within all of that chaotic places, a place where you are at rest. Friends, while we are in this, in this painting in a world which is falling apart, we are nested in the arms of Jesus Christ. That's perfect peace. But we didn't even know that needed that story because we've got the Word of God, don't we? And here we find Him in perfect peace. Uh, I like this verse in Isaiah chapter 29 verse 3. He says, You will keep, and by the way, I want you to take this verse, make a mental note, read it, underline it in your Bible, study it. Whenever you come into a difficult time in your life, recite, repeat this, you know, pray this verse back. It's a wonderful verse. He says in Isaiah 26, 3, he says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Who? Who will you keep in perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on you. Listen to this. While your world is falling apart, this is a word for you this morning. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is staying on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. For he brings down those who dwell on high, the lofty city, he lays it low, he lays it low to the ground and he brings it down to the dust. But this is the verse that got me and in this week I needed to meditate on this verse. He will keep him in perfect peace. I pray to the Father and I say, Lord, help me that my mind stay on you and that I trust on you because in you do I find my peace. Not only is this a sign of peace, but as I said, it is only also a sign of judgment. And in judgment we read in Psalm 50 verse 3, Our God shall come. And everybody say, Hallelujah. He will come. He's on His way. Our God shall come and He shall, and shall not keep silent. Now I love this. I love the Word of God. Look at this. We found in Daniel chapter 7... Verse 9, he says his garment was like that, but how was his throne? It was a fiery flame, it wheels burnt fire. Look down at Psalm chapter 53, 50 verse 3. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire, a fire shall devour before him. And it shall be very temptuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. You say, what has this got to do with the Son of Man? Well, friend, let me just tell you, at this point in time, you and I, standing on our own before the Ancient of Days, we will drink the cup of wrath. We're in trouble. We're in serious trouble if we stand there. And we've got no defense. None whatsoever. This is why I say your best works is like 
filthy rags. In fact, it's not my words, it's biblical words, these. It's like filthy rags before Him. Nothing I do is good enough to stand before the Ancient of Days. And I can't preach any other gospel than to say that we need the Son of Man. We need somebody to turn up on the scene. Daniel chapter 7 verse 11. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. Now, I know I'm reading this not in the whole context of the chapter, but you need to read the whole chapter because he's going to now judge the beasts. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Dominion means power. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions and behold, I love this, behold! You remember when when John the Baptist cried out, behold the, the Lamb of God? This is one of those moments. Behold! He was watching, Daniel watched this in the night visions and behold one, like who? Like the Son of Man. Coming with what? Come on! Isn't this fantastic? Coming with the clouds of heaven. What is it with Jesus and clouds? He's coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought Him near before Him. Then to Him, to Him, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and His kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Didn't we sing that song this morning? To the Ancient of Days. You see, this is where we find the title Son of Man. If you read in the, in, in, in the prophet Ezekiel, you will find Son of Man a lot of times, referring to Ezekiel as the prophet. Not only is Jesus the link, uh, a God coming live with us, but He's also the prophet with us. Here is that title, the Son of Man, which He uses more, more than any other title for Himself in the New Testament. Do you think he had this in mind, this prophecy in mind? So what is given to him? He has got dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And and it is fantastic if you think about this. When they took him to the cross, what did they want to take away from him? They wanted to take away his dominion. They said, King of the Jews, he's not our king. He's not our king. They wanted to take away His glory and His kingdom. Yet, let it be known that if God gives something, no one can take it away. No one. Now let's look at one proof and then we'll finish. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 62, And the high priest rose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is these men testify against you? This is the high priest. But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Tell us this. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus said, It is as you said. In other words, yes. Yes. Nevertheless. 
I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man. Son of Man. He didn't say Christ or anything. Jesus chose us again that title. You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. You see, hopefully you've seen right through this whole sermon how you can connect the dots. He was standing now before the priest, the high priest, and he says, yes, I am the Christ and the Son of God. But nevertheless, you will see the Son of Man sitting. Where is this power? It is in heaven. He's saying, look, I'm going to go up into heaven and he's going to sit and the seat of power. But not only that, he's coming back again. Amen. Jesus is coming back again. He went away but not to stay. He's coming back again. There's two things here that they will see. The Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then they said, the high priest in verse 65, he tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. You see, away with this Jesus. We, away with this Son of Man. Away with this one who calls himself Christ. He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have for of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Death. And they didn't even know that they were fulfilling prophecy. They didn't even know that. You see, he had to die at their hands. Yes, the Romans nailed him to the cross, but they killed him. But let me take it one point further. They thought they killed him, but they didn't kill him. He gave up his life. Because nobody could take it from him. He was willingly going to the cross. But they were fulfilling prophecy. They said, he's deserving of death. And they say, crucify him. We want Barabbas to walk free. But let him die. The son of man. And then we find one picture in Acts chapter 7. One picture, which is beautiful. You remember when Stephen was testifying, was full of spirit, the word says, and they grabbed him in Acts chapter 7 verse 56 and said, Behold, they, they brought him out in front of the people for preaching the gospel and they were going to stone him and they pushed him out and as they started uh, uh, getting ready to stone him, he said this word, he says, I see heavens open. Where is heaven? Up, up. And the Son of Man, you see that? The Son of Man, standing where? At the right hand of God. You say, wait a minute. He said that he will sit at the right hand of the power. This is what Jesus said. Yes, he's sitting at the right hand. And, and some people are trying to make a big thing that he says that I see Jesus standing there. I just want to say the reason why Jesus is standing, according to my own mind, is because he's welcoming Stephen into heaven. But where is he? The most important part, what he said to the high priest, is what Stephen is seeing now. And look, he says, I see the Son of Man. He didn't use the word Christ. He didn't use Jesus. He said, the Son of Man, standing on the right hand of God. 
Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is uh, Stephen. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he died. He fell asleep. I declare to you this morning, the Son of Man. He cried out, he says, I saw the Son of Man. That made these people go crazy. Crazy. Remember, he spoke to the high priest. He said to the high priest, yes. Jesus said, it is as you say, nevertheless, you will see the Son of Man. Remember, these people knew the Scriptures. They knew the prophecy which I just showed you in Daniel chapter 7. They knew that there it says that the Son of Man came on clouds and He was sitting at the right hand and a dominion was given to Him. And when they heard this again, they went crazy because they realized. And they saw that this man had full faith in our Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ. The Son of Man the link between heaven and earth. God with us, the prophet. He says to Nathaniel, greater things than these you will see. And friend, you and I have got the word of God and no doubt we see greater things than this. What does the Son of Man mean to you this morning? Know this, He is our ladder. He has dominion, He has glory, And he has a kingdom. And this is the great one. He went away but not to stay. He's coming back again on the clouds. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.